Assalamu alaikum everyone. This is Hassan Sayyid currently serving as Motamim Umura Talaba and you're listening to the first episode of a podcast presented by the Umura Talaba department where we interview various professionals in the Jamaat to get an insight into their working lives, how they got to where they are and what advice they have for aspiring Ahmadi Muslim students. Our guest today is Salam Bhatti Saib. Assalamu alaikum Salam bhai. Hey, welcome Hassan. So yeah, we'll just get uh, right into the podcast. Uh, really jazakumullah for your time. So our first question is Tell me, tell me a little bit about your profession. What is the formal name of your profession? What are your daily tasks? And what is a typical work week or day like? And where do you spend most of your working hours? Oh, well, so I am a, I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm a public benefits attorney. I work at the Virginia Poverty Law Center. And what that means is that this is the legal aid portion of the law where we help those who are in low, low income uh, households. Um, my job primarily isn't representing the clients. Uh, that's what the actual legal aid attorneys do, like boots on the ground. I'm known as the attorney's attorney. when Because the legal aid attorneys uh, are overworked, underpaid, overwhelmed, uh, they don't have the opportunity or the time to research new like wrinkles or new issues that may come up with their clients that you know, aren't standard issues that are easy for them to do. So when something new comes uh, to them uh, in the world of SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as food stamps, then they ask me, uh, well, they being Virginian legal aid attorneys and sometimes private practicing attorneys as well. So I'm there to help research for them so that they can best represent their clients. Um, I also uh, am involved in the anti-hunger world, uh, making sure that kids have a food to eat uh, in their schools. Uh, and then eventually, once we've solved that problem, then making sure they have food to eat over the course of the weekend when they're out of school. Uh, because unfortunately, a lot of kids are going hungry on the weekends because they don't get the school meals and they don't have any food at home. Uh, and then finally, I also do uh, advocacy lobbying on a state level in the state legislature and for that it's similarly involved to the public benefits world I'm in SNAP and TANF uh, anytime there are bills that make um, it harder for low-income people to get the benefits or they have to like jump through more hoops to get less benefits then I will fight those bills and then I'll work with other lawmakers to uh, introduce bills That'll help low-income families get out of poverty. And I also do the same on the federal level in Congress. I see. So it's quite diverse. It's uh, really different types of things. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, the great thing is, is like, um, the State Assembly is in session in Virginia on a part-time basis. So from typically January through March on even years and then January through February on odd years. Uh, but when you're working in politics, every year is an odd year. Uh, and so, so that those, those couple months or those three months can be a little hectic in how the work day or how the work week is. Uh, it can be, involve a lot of running back and forth from the, uh, the building where all the offices are. It's known as the Pocahontas building in Virginia. So running back and forth between my building and the Pocahontas building, which <laughs> Alhamdulillah is right across the street from each other, which is fantastic uh, in terms of convenience. Uh, downtown Richmond, Virginia, beautiful place. 
And, but outside of that, once that is over, a typical work week is um, fielding emails, fielding calls from legal aid attorneys uh, on, on questions that they have, uh, working with the SNAP and the TANF offices on, in the Department of Social Services, and, and trying to streamline um, you know, p- paperwork and applications that they have Virginians fill out, try to make it you know, easier. Uh, working with legislators throughout the year to keep them informed about things that they worked on during the state assembly so that they know how their bills are going. Um, traveling throughout the state to help uh, you know, speak at, at different gatherings or speak with different people who are going through different uh, problems to really bring, uh, to, to be able to empower their voices to the lawmakers so that we can get some change uh, done. Um, uh, yeah, on a typical work day, I, I try to, I really try to manage my time correctly and, and chunk things out. So in the morning and at some point in the afternoon is when I have my email blocks where I'll check my email. And then once I've checked my email in the morning, I turn it off because it's very distracting with things coming in all the time. And it doesn't let me you know, focus deeply on what I'm working on. Uh, and deep focus or deep work is something very important to be able to progress in a, in a uh, progressive way rather than being busy. Because email is a great way, like checking emails is a great way to seem busy, but it's not productive. Mm-hmm, definitely, so, yeah. So that's the thing. That's, that's, a, that's a fight that a lot of people are doing. So I close out the emails. I've learned to do that. And then for a few hours, for like about an hour, I'll read a book uh, um, somewhere that's like related in my field. And then I'll, you know, do some research, uh, take a break with, uh, I'll, I'll, I do this thing called intermittent fasting. So I'll, I'll break my fast uh, around the noon time. I'll do namaz and then I'll, and alhamdulillah, I'm able to do namaz in my own office. Um, and then I, I, maybe I'll check my email again around that time. Um, and, but then I'll get back into my work of researching and getting some actual work done. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, I'll do us, sir, go to the gym, go home. I mean, that's good. That's good that you especially mentioned the chunking and really focusing on, uh, really, uh, scheduling time out for things. I think that's a really useful thing, especially for students. And just where you said to really focus on, you know, what matters. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I met with a, a lawmaker a few weeks ago and we were, um, we were having a little difficulty in terms of scheduling just time to meet with each other. And so what she did was she just sent me a screenshot of her schedule and said, uh, here's where my free time is. If your free time works with this time, let's make it happen. And I saw her schedule and how detailed it was, even to the point where it said, drink water. <laughs> so it's wow. it's so important to that, that 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 really helped inspire me to really get more detailed in my scheduling that you know you shouldn't really have free it, it, it helps me to not have free blocks in my calendar uh because otherwise it makes it look like i have free time which i i don't i don't have free time at work <laughs> uh so it's important not only to um to schedule everything even the email chunks in your calendar so you know what you should be doing and you don't have to be like oh twiddling my thumbs here's what i gotta do next but also once you've done it so at at the end of the day i have a journal at work and i i just write down a few points of here's what i did today and that really helps me log like a diary of what i'm progressing on what i'm working on what are my thoughts 
And then when it comes to our monthly meetings, I'm able to um, quickly write out a report of what I've done over the past month instead of having to guess at what it was. I see. Well, that's, very, that's a very useful, very useful tip. Uh, my next question would be, uh, you know, aside from your specific area of interest within your profession, what are some other areas that people go into? And, you know, what are they like, maybe something from your colleagues or other people, you know, in similar, similar places, but a little bit different as well? You know, there's so many fields of practice within uh, the legal profession. It's, it's almost as innumerable as the medical profession, where, you know, you're not just a doctor. You, you could be a cardiologist, a neurologist, a, a radiologist, you know, some, a pediatrician, uh, internal medicine doctor. Uh, and then there's so many more. Same thing with the law. A lot of people, when they think about lawyers, instinctively think of the criminal defense attorneys yeah. because, hey, that's, that's what's typically popular on TV. Or the corporate attorneys, the, the very rich and wealthy suits uh, type of attorneys. So it's either law and order or suits of what people think about when they think about attorneys. But there's so many more in between. Uh, and typically, you'll either be criminal defense, you might be civil litigation, uh, which is stuff like property law, uh, you might have divorce, matrimonial law, which deals with divorces, you'll have family law, which deals with like custody battles. Uh, you could be a real property lawyer where you just, you know, really help get people uh, to buy and sell houses. Um, you can be an estate planning attorney, which helps people write wills and trusts. Uh, and then once they pass away, then helping uh, distribute their estate to the people who are going to, uh, benefit from it. So there's so many different types of things, things that involve practice in the courtroom and other fields where you never have to even step foot in a courtroom. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's very diverse and you can really choose what you really, you know, specialize in something that you really care about and like. So I think it's really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with, with a law degree, so I had, I had the law degree after law school, but after college, I had got a political science degree, which there's two things you can do with a political science degree. There's two questions that you can ask when you graduate with a political science degree. The first question is, uh, do I go to law school? The second question is, do you want fries with that? Because there's like nothing you can do with a political science degree besides go to law school. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's just the, the burden. Uh, if people are interested in going to law school, they don't have to do a political science degree. They can do any degree they can even be pre-med in wow. uh, undergrad and still you know take the lsat and go to law school there is wow. no prerequisite uh, in terms of you got to do these courses or anything in fact what i recommend uh, to people who are considering law school is do a business degree and then go to law school because so much of the law so much of the practice involves business that you think you're just going to go into your office and just do law all day but unfortunately, that's not the case. You have to know how to manage an office, how uh -huh. to manage all the overhead, all that kind of stuff, or have an understanding of it, even if you're working in an office or a practice, so you can be a better asset to them. Uh, and also just, you know, figure out how to get clients and advertise and all that. So a business degree can be very helpful. And the second thing I recommend also is taking a few years, taking off between college and law school, because most people are going straight from kindergarten through college. And so their whole life has just been school, school, school. And then if they, uh, if they go to, uh, you know, into the real world and get a real job uh, and really see how the world works, 
then, you know, they might want to go to law school or they might find a different calling. Either is fine. If they end up deciding to go to law school, then what happens is they have a better understanding of the terms and the cases that they're going to be learning about. And they'll be able to apply it better because they have a, they have context for it, be having, you know, worked and lived in the real world. They'll also have better time management because so much of law school success is tied with time management. Uh, and I've seen pretty much 100% of the time, those people who have taken time off between college and law school inevitably do far better than any other student in the law school. Wow, that's actually quite interesting. Yeah, those are really nice points. I didn't know you could literally do pre-med and still still decide to go to law school. I think that's really open. So even if a student is maybe still in college, they've already took, taken some classes, but they can still, if they decide they want to do law, it's still possible. I think that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. In fact, one of the, science, one of the um, types of lawyer you can become is a patent attorney. Patent, like, you know, dealing with copyrights and trademarks and patents. And to be able to even, to, to even become one of those attorneys, you have to have a science degree in your undergrad. Um, uh-huh. not a political science degree, an actual hard science. Uh, so what that means, I, I mean, actually, I don't know why I never really looked into it because I was interested in it and I definitely did not have a science degree. So, but that's something to know, like, Hey, if this is the field of work you want to get into, you have to have some sort of science degree, uh, to be able to take the patent bar after law school. I see. Okay. So now we talked about, you know, what your profession is now. Let's, I just really want to know what made uh, you want to go into the pr- profession that, you know, in other words, what drove you to become what you are today? And like, how did you discover what you wanted to do? How do you know this was right for you? Uh, it was stupidity that got me into the law. When I was uh, growing up, uh, my grandmother used to tell me that I would grow up to be a, a great scientist like Abdul Salam. And I said, no, I want to be a lawyer. And I, I kind of sometimes regret saying that as, as a stubborn little kid. Uh, and I said that also because I saw so few brown or Muslim attorneys. Uh, there were so many doctors, so many engineers, so many scientists. And I'm like, let's, let's try to break the ground in another field. And um, I also had delusions of grandeur of being a, a Supreme Court justice. So that was all in my head. So I went through law school um, and I, then I was practicing law for some time and um, had my own practice for a little bit. And I really did not enjoy it. I did not like representing clients. It was just way too much work, way too many deadlines and not enough impact from the work you were doing. So when this job opened up at the Virginia Poverty Law Center, it was pretty much like a match made in heaven because it wasn't, necessarily, uh, it wasn't necessarily client representation, but it was more on an advocacy, uh, it was more of like a policy advocacy thing. So the policy is your client, and if you're able to win, then that will help so many more people. So I felt that was way more worth my time than you know, individual client representation. Yeah, definitely. And I, like you, as you talked about SNAP and just how, how really important it is for a lot of people to, um, you know, get, get, get food and things of that nature. Like, it's, it's really amazing how much you can really help in, in working in this, you know, profession. It's really eye-opening. I didn't really know this, but um, it's really good, alhamdulillah. So uh, keeping that in well, mind. And, and, and Hassan, I, I do want to add, you know, so my job is a nonprofit job. Oh, really? And, okay. Um, 
Yeah, it's a nonprofit work. And um, when people think of nonprofit, especially in like, I, I know this, uh, maybe in like the South Asian community, maybe other cultures as well, they instantly think, oh, you're working for free or you're not making any money. But that's not the case at all. Nonprofit is simply a designation of how or what the business does with the money that they receive or how they receive it. So that's, that's a total different uh, delineation. We still get paid, you know, I'm, I'm salaried. I don't get paid hourly. I don't get the stereotypical pay of an attorney of you know, thousands of hours, whatever it is. Um, drive the flashiest car. I have a Honda Civic, but I, it goes in line with what I feel is my civic duty to helping <laughs> people out. Uh, one day I hope I have a Tesla duty, but uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, so getting into the nonprofit sector, even into government, you may not get paid like the people in the private sector, but uh, the work you can do is can be even more impactful than what the, what's happening in the private sector. Well, but that's, that's a really good, um, you know, misconception you kind of uh, cleared up because you know, when you think of nonprofit, you think about, you know, it's just kind of, you're kind of volunteering, but no, you can still, it's still viable. Right. And, and it's really, it's really, um, you know, uh, really beneficial and it's really rewarding as well as you've uh, kind of, you know, explained how. Uh, you can help so many people, you know, civics, civics are great too. So I know Honda civics, I like them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, so I know we, we, we talked about, you know, what types of, you know, schooling, you already talked about that. Um, but what advice would you have for maybe a high school student who's considering, you know, law school or something of that nature? What, uh, what kind of advice would you give to them, like specifically in high school to, you know, prepare or maybe get in the mindset or any kind of advice that maybe, maybe it's something that you didn't know? Uh, when you started and something that you wish you knew or anything of that nature? Oh, man. So it's really important to get experience, whether, uh, you know, just in a law office, even if you're just running coffee, you know, like, or being an intern uh, and doing just the most mundane activity, you really want to be involved in that setting to be able to really just, you know, learn by osmosis almost kind of see how they work, see how they operate, see what's going on, how they have the bedside manner with their clients. Um, and then, you know, you work your way up and that's really just, you want to be able to pad your resume with experience and experience and experience. So if you're in high school, you're thinking about law school, uh, which is still quite a few years away uh, and you're living at home. So you're not having to pay rent. Everything is, you know, accommodated for really take this opportunity to do some real menial laborer at a law firm and, and don't expect to get oh you know you have to sit down with a client and and and, and represent him or her like no like that's not going to happen for a good many years so start at the bottom and work your way up that's so important uh, sometimes people have a chip on their shoulder and they have seen so much television or so many movies where the law is over uh, i guess heightened uh, and it makes it more accessible than it is, or it makes these jobs more accessible than they are. But it's really not the case like that in the real world. So get into a law firm or some sort of something, nonprofit or government, and just start your working your way up. And you'll see how the experience will really help you. Uh, and shall I get into a law school and even help open doors uh, for a job while you're in law school and then once you're out of law school too. Uh, but also, uh, uh, really think about it. Do you really want to go to law school? Or do you have this ideal or idea of what the law is? And to be brutally honest, the day I graduated law school, I thought I should have gone to med school. And honestly, sometimes I still 
I mean, it's not like I, I'm dealing, I'm living with a regret, but sometimes I'll just wonder, I'm like, oh, well, what would life be like if I had gone to med school instead? Um, and that's because I see how crowded the legal field is uh, and how, um, you know, how so much of it is being automated. But I see how doctors, there's always a need for doctors. There's always going to be a need for doctors. And that's just something very uh, much harder to automate. So it's just like you want to do a future projection too, which is very difficult to do, uh, especially when you're in high school. And it's, it's hard to think outside maybe the echo chamber you might be in or the tunnel vision that you might have. But what will be necessary 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now? That kind of conversation really helps through writing to Hazur and seeking Hazur's guidance. Uh, and so once you have Azur's prayers with you, then, hey, man, it doesn't matter what the need will be in 20, 10 or 15 or 20 years. Hazur has guided you. Hazur is praying for you. And that need will always be there. Yes, for sure. And I like, I like how you said that even if you're just like, even if you're getting coffee, you know, in a law office, it's still nice just to be there to learn by, like you said, osmosis. I think that's amazing because, you know, in my experience, like with these types of volunteer, uh, you know, opportunities or things like this, like in a, whether it be a hospital or anywhere, you want to like, you think that you'd be doing some type of healthcare or something that directly, you know, goes in with that, um, you know, that field. But the truth is you don't have the experience, you know, that you can't, you're, you just can't do that. So just being there is, is just good experience. So that's, that's good that you pointed that out. And as well as for sure, writing to Hazur is that's that we, you can't go wrong ever with them if you do that. So that's, that's a really good point um, you made. And then on top of that, um, don't discount the work you do for Jamaat or for Qutam al You know, sometimes we're so, you know, root, routinely ingrained with the, the daily or the weekly work we do for Jamaat and Qutam al when and, and, and we don't put that on the resume, but it's so, so much of the work we do, if not all of it, can be put on a resume to show leadership experience, management experience, event management. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're working uh, with the Murakharja uh, department and the Jamaat and going to the day on the hill, uh, that's how I learned how to lobby, which was a huge leg in me getting the job at the Virginia Poverty Law Center. Wow. Um, so it's, it's really just fascinating how the work you do for the Jamaat and then Khudam Amdiya can really help you in the other parts of your life too. Wow, that's, 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 really, that's really good good to know. So just in that same vein, you know, in what ways can you or are you currently serving the Jamaat with specifically with your profession? How, can, how have you used it or can you use it to kind of assist the Jamaat with its, with its needs? Yeah, so the Jamaat uh, can be, well, so I'm alhamdulillah able to serve the Jamaat uh, with, with, I guess, my legal acumen in analysis and trying to, you know, figure out both sides of a story. And so I'm able to serve the Jamaat by being a Ghazi. And serving as a Ghazi is simply a, serving as an arbitrator, typically in matters of divorce um, and sometimes in financial matters. Uh, I'm also part of the Amadi Muslim Lawyers Association. Uh, and quite frequently, we have requests coming from the Jamaat uh, of, uh, you know, maybe somebody needs help being um, uh, coming over or they're a refugee or an asylee. Or, you know, typical matters that other people go through as well. You know, if somebody wants to set up a business, somebody needs help with a, um, maybe like a child custody dispute. 
somebody wants a contract written, something like that. So there's different attorneys that can help with that within the Jamaat. Um, and then I also help uh, the Wasaya department with, uh, you know, kind of like we're, we're working on creating a will or some sort of um, add-on to a will so that people can understand uh, or so that people can include that they're a Musi when they're writing their last will and testament uh, so that the Jamaat can um, be a beneficiary to their estate uh, as they wish. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's how I'm helping. Uh, and sometimes with Khudamalamadiyah, like maybe I'm asked to, you know, read a contract or help with drafting a contract or something like that. Okay, so definitely a lot of things that um, you can still, you, you can use your profession to do like for the Jamaat and especially like you said with like refugees or asylum seekers, that's probably really rewarding as well. So I think that's really, um, it's really good to know. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And, you know, with the, with just with our final question, what I really wanted to ask is, you know, with, you know, especially how it's getting much tougher, you know, to get into law school, get into these medical schools, get into, you know, even college now, and that you really have to study and work hard a lot. And what we find is sometimes students, you know, they start prioritizing, you know, studying a little bit too much. And because of that reason, they start, you know, becoming uh, relaxed and not really doing their, you know, Jamaat duties. Maybe they have an office or maybe coming to Juma or coming to, you know, prayers, daily prayers at the mosque. You know, so what type of, uh, what role did like your your relationship to Islam, Ahmadiyya Khilafat or prayer play in your success? Like how did it assist you like staying with your religion? How did that help you? And if you have any specific examples, that'd be really good as well if you can give it you know, from your, your experience? Well, um, I've always been serving the Jamaat. I've, I've, I've been blessed to be able to serve the Jamaat and Khudam and Ahmadiyya throughout my life. Uh, and uh, that was something just ingrained in me throughout from my family, from my parents. Um, I never, I mean, sometimes I would feel maybe overwhelmed with the work, uh, but I never really felt it to be a burden. And I really, was able to appreciate the sacrifice when I, when I really saw, um, I guess when, when I, when I would experience the times where I was, when I didn't have the responsibilities. So like for some, for example, if, you know, sometimes I, maybe I was serving in three capacities, if all of a sudden I was serving in no capacities, you know, I felt kind of useless. So that responsibility was helpful for me to be able to progress and be productive. Through that productivity, I was able to just become a better person, which helped me uh, progress year year to year. Like since we don't celebrate birthdays, I like to use my birth anniversary as a like an annual check, like an annual checkup. Am I in a better place this year than I was last year at this time? And that you know, through working with the Jamaat and through all, you know, everything else, I just am always on a road of progress, alhamdulillah. I remember um, graduating from law school and um, just like being very financially broke, just not having any money. Uh, and I had applied for Wasiyat maybe um, a year prior to that. And uh, I remember leaving a, a Jamaat Aulam meeting one day, a local Jamaat Aulam meeting. Uh, and I was like, you know, just thinking about my bank account. I had one dollar in my bank account. And um, I thought, wow, I'm really glad my wasiyat hasn't been approved yet because I can't afford to be a Musi. 
And literally right then and there, the finance secretary hands me a letter from Marcus saying that my wasai had been accepted. And I couldn't help but just laugh at what this all could mean. And I was just really, um, just, I was just laughing at this, this punchline from Allah that I felt was very personal. Um, so Alhamdulillah, ever since then, uh, life has just gotten better and better as um, my finances have improve, improved and uh, my job satisfaction has improved as well. Uh, so that wouldn't be possible without the sacrifices that I've made and keep making for the Jamaat. Um, and because it really helps keep my head in the game of what really matters. And that's, that is connection with Hazur, that is connection with Allah through Salat and, and praying on time. Um, so those things people discount because they may think it doesn't matter. But what they don't understand is that these are the things that set them apart from every single other person that they are competing with. They think that discarding these things will, will make them equal because for some reason they feel unequal or they feel beneath for, having, for being associated with Islam or, or, or Ahmadiyya. And that's really just awfully sad. Too often we see that people think that the Jamaat is backwards and that America is the means of progress. But what they don't realize is that America is a nation that gave women certain or just a few rights 100 years ago. They don't understand how much racial inequity we have, how much social inequity we have, how much injustice we have. And they see America as something better than Islam. When Islam is something that gave women actual rights, when Islam is something that has gotten rid of racism, when Islam is something that has justice as the bare minimum and wants us to excel to having ties of kinship with each other. Islam is the true progressive entity here. And seeing people discard Islam for something they think is better than Islam is really sad and unfortunate and will unfortunately make them regress in their ultimate goals of success. Uh, and that's really, really unfortunate as they chase a dollar for a temporary gain when something is at their uh, doorstep that is bringing them to everlasting success. Uh, so it's something that unfortunately a lot of times people have to learn and find out the hard way. Um, but I hope that that path, that hard way path is very short for them so that they can really jump on the train and, and excel. Mm, definitely. I think, I think that especially that, um, the example you gave with Vasiyat and how, how just how, how even though even though you didn't you know have, you know even any money I pretty much no money but you still went went ahead and you know signed up and I think I think that's where the really important thing is if if you make the sacrifice if you take the leap then Allah will come and you know he'll, he'll accept your you know sacrifice and make sure everything else is fine I think that's the same with you know your all your other tasks that you have with Jamaat is that you you've taken the leap and then Allah has, uh, has figured out the rest you know. So I think that's really amazing, and just that it's really inspirational that this kind of this kind of take that you have on this. I think it's really you know motivating as well to myself, and I hopefully to the listeners as well. So Jazakuma, that's um that was a really good um uh, example yeah, from your life. Yeah, for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So Jazakuma, salam uh, salam for um your your willingness to come on. This is I said the first time. 
uh, that we're doing this. So really sorry if there's, you know, any issues or anything. But um, yeah, Jazakum, I, I hope this was really beneficial to um, the, our, all our listeners. If you need any assistance with um, any type of student assistance or education assistance, please feel free to email students at mkusa.org for any questions that you may have or to suggest another guest that you may want on the podcast. And just one more time, I'd like to really say Jazakum Al-Asunah for coming on. And uh, we really appreciate you taking out the time. Uh, you know, and uh, Jazakum for the opportunity. I do want to add, though, something I wish I had growing up was a legal network. I didn't know any attorneys. Um, I, well, I knew one attorney, but he was just so much older that it was very hard to connect with him. So Alhamdulillah, we have such a great legal network in America now. Uh, so if you are really, uh, really want to consider or check out the law, reach out to the Ahmadi Muslim Lawyers Association um, by emailing lawyers at amlausa.org or get in touch with me um, uh, and, you know, uh, Hassan can help you get in touch with me. Uh, and, and I'm happy to talk with you one-on-one, phone, email, whatever, to give you help, uh, tips, advice, help you along the way to law school. That's something I didn't have when I was growing up. And it's so important to have legal mentors uh, on your path so that you can really be successful in this career. Okay, Jacob Salamba. Yeah, that's really useful. I think it's really important that we really utilize these resources we have from the Jamaat. I mean, we don't get, I mean, for Amur Taliba, we don't get, you know, that many students that contact us, even though we do have a lot of connections, a lot of people that we can put young students in contact with and get them mentors. So if you need any type of thing, any type, any, even if you think it's kind of really small or you just want to talk to someone who may be in the field or Salam by specifically, just contact us and we'll inshallah get you um, where you need to be. So um, Jazakumullah once again, and Jazakumullah for being available to any students, any listeners out there. So um, that's where I'll close the podcast here. Jazakumullah, say Salam alaikum from myself and Salam by, and we'll hope to see you on the next podcast. Jazakumullah, Salam alaikum. <laughs>